Hello everyone and welcome. Welcome to episode number 9 of the Project New World podcast. As the topic suggests, today we have another health topic and that's none other than the topic of calories and why you should never cut calories. First, before we begin, maybe I should clearly state my position, you know, before we go much further. Calorie restricted diets do not work if you want to permanently lose weight. And if you want to lose weight, you can probably figure out that you're not alone. Obesity is actually particularly prevalent in the US and in the UK, but of course it's it's uh, apparent in other other countries as well. More and more, unfortunately, at least in my opinion, despite all the information out there, in the US, over one third of the adult population is obese, and one in seven children and adolescents are also obese. Uh, an incredible 60% of the American population is overweight. Though obesity rates in other countries are lower than in the US, the rate of increase in the UK and several other countries signals an alarming trend with serious consequences. You've probably tried some sort of diet, most likely a calorie restricting plan, and there are currently about 2000 diet books to choose from, each claiming miraculous results. But the question is why then is obesity becoming an epidemic? Is it, is it because people have no self-control and simply eat too much? Not likely. It, it isn't how much you eat. It's what and when you eat. But here's the good news. You don't have to starve or punish yourself with hours in the gym to lose weight. However, you do need to learn how to eat right in order to bring your body back into balance so that it will function at an optimal level. And I have an interesting story. Of course, it's not my story. I, I just read it in a very, very, very good book on the topic, which I've mentioned before. It's uh, How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy by uh, Paul Cech, a person which I highly, highly admire. He's like an idol to me. He's so well-rounded, very knowledgeable and... M- it, he's mostly self-taught, which for me is fascinating and which actually proves that you don't need the, the educational system, schools and universities to become, you know, a really, really knowledgeable person who who has many, many uh, or at least a huge percentage of expertise, if if I can express it that way. But the story is basically about diets and where they came from. I I didn't know that story and I found it really, really a, a fascinating and at the same time amusing because, <laughs> well, you, you will find out. The, to- the topic of diets, the same as 
many other lies and propaganda come from, yep, you guessed it, the United States. So food shortages were a concern during World War One, the Depression, and then again during the World War Two, and as a uh, as a part of the U.S. World War World War One strategy, the government created uh, the Food Administration or the FA. The FA told Americans to cut down on consumption of flour, meat, butter and sugar, claiming these items were needed to feed the soldiers. As a means of saving the meat, butter, wheat and sugar for men, women were taught to cut back or, in other words, to diet. In order to satisfy hunger, women learned to fill up on grains, legumes and vegetables, not surprisingly by replacing vital nutrients such as meat and butter with carbohydrates which are rapidly converted to sugar and stored as fat in the body, many women became bigger in spite of the so-called food shortage. During the Roaring Twenties, food was once again plentiful, although men generally rebounded from their war efforts by eating their way into corpulence, the dainty proportions and avoidance of meat and butter continued to be ladylike. Not, su- not surprisingly, the slogan, you can never be too rich or uh, too thin, is of course a byproduct of this era, when the portly look once associated with wealth in the 19th century fell by the wayside, uh, dieting became a man's business too. During the depression, the country experienced a surplus of wheat and uh, the government began purchasing the excess to support the farming industry. When reports of malnutrition streamed in, streamed in from uh, across the country, bread lines sprang up, infuriating farmers who fear that people will learn to live on government handouts. In the meantime, the government continued to purchase the surplus grain and meats from the farmer, farmers, I'm sorry, to compensate for the public's diminished purchasing power, which was at all-time low. While the U.S. was knee-deep in bread and wheat, newspapers and magazines commonly featured pictures of food e- either being stored or destroyed alongside people waiting in bread lines. Although people were supposedly starving and meat was considered a rare commodity, the government's farm subsidies produced a stockpile of meat so much that at one time the government slaughtered 6 million pigs and dumped them into the Mississippi River, buried them or carted them to uh, dumps to prevent them from coming to the market. The manipulation of the food supply was driven by farming lobbyists who wanted to protect farmers from dropping food prices, which in their minds was sure to happen if Uncle Sam started giving away meat. Paradoxically, while hunger and malnutrition were at their highest in the history of the US, women in per- and in particularly um, college girls who had learned to eat like ladies during the World War One, were now determined to become thin and attempted one crash diet after another 
some amusing names of such diets were the Hollywood 18-day diet, the Mayo diet, and the United Fruit Company's reducing diet. By 1933, physicians were tasked with getting the ladies to eat and the men to eat less. With some of the wiser independent health experts of the day indicting over consumption of uh, bread and sugar as the source of gluttony, General Mills took a stand to protect their cash cow. General Mills, the food processing company that funded the first nutrition schools in the US, surprise, surprise, created the infamous Betty Crocker. This fictional personality would make her way into almost every magazine, newspaper and media source of the day, espousing the benefits of sugar and white bread. Welsh, uh, along with other juice manufacturers, jumped on the media bandwagon claiming that their products yielded quote-unquote quick energy, yet were, again, quote-unquote, never fattening. Welsh went so far as to say that its its pre-digested grape sugar actually burned up ugly fat, and that's again in quotes. By the time the US entered World War II, the American food processing industry was well underway, with 98% of all bread consumed in the country being white bread, void of nutritional value. The per capita consumption of white flour has risen to an outstanding 200 pounds per year. Certainly, it's no wonder that 40-50% of uh, recruits in the US and the UK were considered unfit for military service, commonly due to malnutrition and inadequate physical readiness. This led to the government dictum for millers to enrich flour with um, vitamins and in, in, in hopes of pepping up the soldier. Not surprisingly, Mayo Clinic physician Russell Wilder calculated that uh, most of the calories in the, uh, in the American diet were commonly from refined sugar and processed hydrogenated fats, which are void of vitamins. During World War II, as during the Depression, there was a perceived shortage of meat, yet American cattle ranges were home to more cattle than ever. Again, the government destroyed meat it could not store. In 1942, the average civilian male ate 125 pounds of meat, while the average soldier was allowed 360 pounds annually. Coerced by magazines and trend sellers, women were to eat dainty portions to be ladylike. The women were to save meat you know, the manly food, for men working in and for the war effort. The fear of food shortages was a blessing in disguise for the food processing industry, which successfully marketed canned and packed foods to women. Due to the extended shelf life of these packaged foods, women were shopping as little as one to two times a month instead of several times a week, 
as they had done previously. Further, the meatless consciousness opened the door to soy-based meat substitutes and host of other food substitutes that were far cheaper than actual whole foods while allowing longer shelf life and higher profit. If you want to get the story in details about the history of eating in America, you can check it in, uh, in the book Paradox of Plenty and the Revolution at the Table by Harvey Levenstein. And this is, for me, this is absolutely mind-blowing story, even though in the same time it's mind-blowing and in the same time I'm not surprised because it's nowadays I've seen so many of those things, so many of those stories and uh, propaganda and lies and all of that coming from the United States. But let's continue and see why you shouldn't actually cut out calories, why it's bad for you and what can we do about it and what can we actually incorporate into our nutritional plan so we can successfully lose weight and particularly fat because weight lost weight can be muscle which is not really preferable so let's see what actually what diets do to our body calorie restricting diets don't work in the long run because they disrupt important hormones and enzymes skipping just one meal or eating too many carbohydrates for your for your uh, personal nutritional plan can result in changes that make it more difficult for the body to lose fat. Initially, the response to a skipped meal is an elevation of stress hormones, which we talked about in in previous episodes of of the podcast. The body then responds to, to the stress signal by releasing stored glycogen from the liver into the blood to raise your blood sugar. After all, your body thinks you're in a life-threatening situation. Repeated bouts of stress results in a yo-yo between high and low blood sugar, creating yet another major stressor on the body. An overstressed body will not function at an optimal level. For many, this is not the ideal state for losing weight. If you eat too many carbohydrates, your body must release insulin to lower blood sugar levels. Skipping meals or not eating enough of the right foods also keeps insulin level high because the body thinks that you're in in famine and it's forced to store energy whenever it's supplied. If you're active, insulin will store sugar in the muscles. But if your muscles are not being used or if the muscle cells are full, your extra calories will wind up in the fat cells. Exercising muscles keeps them sensitive to insulin since an active muscle wants to take in sugar for energy. Inactive muscles become insulin resistant and shuttle more and more calories to the fat cells. A diet calling for a high consumption of carbohydrates beyond ideal for your personal nutritional plan will also make you progressively insulin, insulin resistant. Accumulating fat in the middle of your body 
is an indication that you've become insulin resistant. The medical name for this syndrome is Syndrome X. Again, accumulating unwanted fat around your midsection and Syndrome X are usually the result of dieting, yo-yo dieting, consumption of too many carbohydrates for your, as I said, personal nutritional plan, and lack of exercise. Once the fat cells in your midsection are full, the fat accumulation extends to other areas of the body and you become progressively more obese. Because muscles and fat cells become progressively less sensitive to insulin, blood sugar levels raise higher, forcing the pancreas to overwork in an attempt to lower blood sugar levels. Eventually, you will become a type 2 diabetic. Anytime you miss a meal, and yes, just one meal, your body increases the release of lipogenic or fat-storing enzymes. When, when these lipogenic enzymes increase, the enzymes you really need, the lipolytic or fat-burning enzymes, are decreased. This effect is much more pronounced in women than in men. And the entire process of, of dieting constantly being in a fight-or-flight state with elevated sympathetic nervous system activity and eating incorrectly will leave you tired. Thanks to <laughs> junk food manufacturers and the media, most people don't understand that they're gaining weight because they're eating incorrectly, not because they're eating too much. Improper eating habits always results in, in inability to re replace the vital nutrients that keep the body system running correctly and provide additional energy to spend living, not just surviving. Inevitably, people use tea, coffee, soda, sweets and other pick-me-up drinks to compensate for uh, the energy deficit. You must understand that any such stimulant only activates the sympathetic nervous system, releases more stress hormones and eventually requires more and more of the stimulant to get the desired effect. After a while, adrenal glands become exhausted, resulting in a number of symptoms, all of which are part of the chronic fatigue symptom profile. If you've lost weight on a diet, you more than likely lost significant amount of muscle. Remember, muscles burn energy. If you decrease muscle mass, your metabolic rate will be lower. You won't burn as much energy, therefore. This increases your chances of gaining back the weight you lost. Then the yo-yo diet syndrome begins, which is even more stressful than a one-time diet. Each time you start and stop a diet, you significantly increase the difficulty of restoring your physiology to normal. So we have to say here, don't worry about counting calories. Today, magazines, sports stores and specialty shops offer a wide variety of calorie counting gadgets. You can strap one onto your wrist or ankle, go for a walk, a bike ride or 
prowl the stairmaster for 30 minutes and decide how big a piece of pie you deserve for dessert. Well, there are some serious flaws in this approach. When trying to determine how many calories to consume each day, many fail to calculate how many calories it takes to meet the demands of just being alive. A whopping 50-70% to of all the calories you consume are used to generate the heat and life energy to keep your cells turned on. Not cleaning the house or shooting a few hoops, just alive. This is your resting metabolic rate or RMR. Another 5-15% to of your calorie intake is needed for digestion and elimination. You also need to consider your daily activities and how your individual body functions. This is referred as the X factor and not the one with the talents. The X factor is a variable that can either increase or decrease daily energy expenditure or how many calories you burn based on several genetic, hormonal and environmental factors. Fidgeting, for example, would fall into the X-Factor category. We don't all lead the same life, nor do we interpret stressors of or environment in the same way. If we eat according to your personal nutritional plan, you convert food into energy more efficiently. This means you expand or dissipate more of the energy you take on board, leaving less to store as fat. If you follow fat diets or eat incorrectly for your own personal needs, your blood sugar balance is disrupted, energy production is inefficient and your cells must slow down because your meal is causing stress on your body instead of aiding in smooth operation. There will also be more waste material left behind from eating incorrectly, which is often toxic to the body and may get stored in the fat cells to protect the liver while it catches up. Each of us responds to stressors differently. The X factor for determining caloric expense includes such stressors as uh, job and relationship challenges, and uh, even responding to to weather changes. We also display various levels of spontaneous activities such as the before-mentioned fidgeting. There are numbers of factors that must be considered just to meet the requirements of running your body and keeping it healthy. Be aware that anytime you try to run your body without adequate fuel, the right mix of fuel or on poor quality fuel, you drastically increase your chances of of slowing your metabolism and becoming fat. Few people understand the link between when they eat and their health, let alone their body shape. Starting your day off with a small meal like coffee and toast or a Pop-Tart, followed by a snack for lunch, like something like bagel, only to come home intensely hungry and and pig out. <laughs> you know, it will make your body look like 
your meal proportions basically. As we know from, from previous episodes, from those of you who haven't listened to them, I I do recommend to go and check them out because there's quite an inter- interesting information there, at least for the people who are health conscious and want to improve their overall health and wellness. So from there we know that cortisol is an activating hormone. Cortisol levels are highest between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., which means your metabolism is stimulated and your cells are anxious for you to eat to you know eat something having fasted all night. For most, particularly women wanting to restore or elevate their metabolic rate, breakfast should be the largest meal of the day, comprising as much as 25% of your daily calories. If you are a carb type, you may do well on smaller breakfasts making you the only exception to the rule. Carb type, carb type or not, all breakfast meals must contain proteins, carbohydrates and fats in the correct ratio for your own personal needs. Eating a full breakfast will provide you with both staying power and energy. In, in my experience, people who eat a proper breakfast feel better and are more likely to be physically active during the day. Eating snacks between meals will constantly reassure your body that uh, energy and nutrition are on board, which often results in an elevated metabolism. The body's metabolism is also elevated by eating simply because the process of digestion, utilization and elimination of food is at work for the body. When you eat regularly and snack as needed, your metabolic rate will achieve its genetic set point and you achieve your genetic shape, therefore. If you don't like the way you look, but are not overweight, just consider consulting a health expert or even a practitioner who, who who can coach you toward shaping a new you. If you find that uh, you're constantly hungry and have gained weight from eating too much, you may not be hungry, you may be thirsty. In the book, Your Body's Many Cries for Water, it explains that hunger pings are frequently a symptom of dehydration. I found this to be true with my clients and in my own experience. If I feel hungry long before I would normally eat, I drink a couple cups of water and hunger pangs usually subside. Until you get in the habit of drinking water regularly throughout the day, it's easy to get dehydrated without realizing it. Also, drinking water gives you energy. Water is because that's because water is a a key catalyst in uh, digestion. Uh, enzymatic action and um, also energy production throughout the body when you drink uh, adequately for your bodily needs you are less likely to consume soda and pick me up foods and generally throw your blood sugar levels off and cause stress on the body here I I want to give you a few uh, points that you can follow, you know, as a, as a guidelines. First, 
eat right for your own personal nutritional needs and never diet. Eat regularly to satisfy hunger. Consume slightly smaller main meals and include snacks to elevate your metabolic rate. Very important, eat high quality food. Drink plenty of water. Ideally, you should drink half your body weight in ounces of water per day or your body weight in, in kilos, if you're counting in kilos, your body weight in kilos times 0.033. That's how much water you should drink in liters. Another important tip is move your body. If you don't like structured exercise programs, simply remain active. Park your car at the far end of the parking lot, take the stairs and walk as often as you can. Go to sleep by 10.30 p.m. I know this one, this is a hard one. I'm trying to stick to that as well. And I, ha- I have very few successful attempts. But still, I'm, I keep trying because I'm used to go to bed a bit later, like around 12. But disrupting your sleep-wake cycle equals more stress on your body and increases your chances of gaining weight because of hormonal imbalances. And also another helpful tip is to burn your diet books or give them to someone as a present. And that pretty much is all the information I have to give you for today's episode. When I don't have a guest, I prefer to prepare the information beforehand so I don't I don't lose time and I don't I don't stop for no reason to think to think what I was supposed to say and that way I can have a structure into into the episode that's why the episodes are usually much shorter usually when I have a guest it goes for an hour hour and a half sometimes two and sometimes almost three hours as as the episode with my friend Raphael. And with that, we finished the ninth episode of the Project New Earth podcast. I want to take to thank each and every one of you who gave their own personal time to listen to that uh, material. I highly, highly appreciate your... uh, attention and I really really hope that you find something valuable in the episodes that I'm creating because I'm I really put a lot of goodwill and and I do them with a lot of pleasure and hope to to help I believe that each episode uh, contributes to to my final goal my big grandiose goal which is to help with whatever i can for uh, transforming the earth's population into a healthier and more positive um, people each high goal usually stands on a stable base and structure and in my opinion this is health 
and the health and the wellness of, of people if someone doesn't feel good physically or or mentally it's it's really hard to to ask them about anything and to to expect much from them because they don't have their their minimal needs covered and i know that from experience it's really hard to to achieve any kind of of a of a change in yourself if you don't have those minimal requirements you know like high quality food movement and of course sleep which is extremely important if you have those three elements they basically transform the fertile soil in which you can you can plant anything when we add to them things like creating new uh, building habits uh, putting a short-term easy to achieve goals that will bring back our confidence and our and, and will give us the necessary motivation for achieving the bigger more more grandiose goals that way we suddenly find ourselves on the way to a better life for ourselves and with that uh, to a better life for all the people around us because as gandhi said if you want to change the world start with yourself and it's not it's not a coincidence that uh, that quote is so you know well known and used it took me quite quite some time to actually really get into it and to really understand what he meant so i suggest to maybe finally decide to change our strategy we've been tried one way for years and years the way of of hate criticism envy racism negativity and the separation us versus them you know and that i can i can say that that just doesn't work it led it what where did it where did it take us to a worldwide pandemic and more from the previously mentioned stuff do you think this is just a coincidence and and of course i'm not talking about any conspiracies and so on i'm talking about something much deeper and uh much bigger than uh, just a group of people who are hungry for power i personally have 28 years of exp- of uh proof that this obviously is not the right way as einstein said the definition of madness is to do the same thing and to expect different results well then us people have to be absolutely insane so i suggest let's let's just for you know for just for difference just like that to to try an experiment in in a different way with the good instead of the bad with light instead of dark darkness 
And let's not forget that just because the light exists doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the darkness disappears automatically. They're always they always go together. It's we know yin yang. It's it's everywhere in in the spiritual teachings. We have it in us. All of us, even if if you're a good person, deep down you have the bad person. You just suppressed it. And yeah, good for you. That's that's your path. Other people, also the the so-called bad people, if there's such a thing, they have the good in them, but they just suppress them. That's their role in the, in life. But that's the thing. The choice is always yours, always. And so that's it from for me today. Till next Wednesday, when. Uh, it's time for uh, the Bulgarian version of the podcast. I will be very, very thankful if those of you who like the episodes or the podcast help to to get it to more people by you know sharing it in social media with friends so it can reach more people. Very soon I will create a Facebook group where... Um, I will share, of course, the new episodes. Um, each and every one of you can ask questions there freely to comment or even to to suggest any any topics that they want discussed in the episodes, in the future episodes. I will be increasing my uh, social media attendance, but I will, I will need some time since I do everything by myself. And I will have to learn how to use it with a different purpose than just, you know, personal entertainment. But if if there's in in the in the audience, if there are people who know anything about advertising, marketing, automatization, is that right? Automization or automatization? Anyway, <laughs> uh, I will be re- really really grateful if uh, you can uh, contact me and on facebook or instagram so so i can improve uh, as much as i can the the things that i'm doing and with that for maybe second or third time goodbye for now and until next wednesday have a good one stay positive bye bye Mm -hmm.